you, choir, and Reverend Ingram for reminding us of the hope that is found within those ancient words. I hope that you were also blessed by the reading of Scripture, whether it was by Susan or Patrick or Rebecca. This is the life-changing element of God that is manifested before us, and it is at our very fingertips if we will but open it and discover God's love letter to all of us. And so let me take this as an opportunity to remind you of a discipleship challenge that I gave each and every one of you when I first started my ministry back in January. 15 minutes a day and the word of God will change your life. Prove me wrong. Let's get into the sermon for today, shall we? It's got an interesting title, if you noticed in your order of worship. It's called Nurture and Nudge of Prophets, Priests, and Kings. Now, like I've always done, I plan out a series weeks before it ever begins, and so it was a little bit of an interesting process going back to that sermon title at the beginning of this week and wondering what in the heck was David Hughes thinking about. But I think I put together a reasonable argument that outlines the following, and I hope that you will write it down as it is the central truth for today's sermon. Our calling, good people of God, is to be the fulfillment of prophets, priests, and kings and to enable us to get to that high office of prophet, priest, and king. We must be in an environment and be coached by the others who hold the healthy tension of both nurture and nudge. No better example in my mind exists than Pickens First Baptist Church. I grew up in the small town of Pickens, South Carolina, and ever since I was a baby, I was on the cradle roll at that church. I experienced unlimited nurture, whether it was by the apple juice and animal crackers that I consumed in gross quantities in extended session, or it was the amount of Play-Doh we always seemed to make in children's Sunday school when the children's Sunday school teacher just seemed to run out of steam. But there was always this time of nudge, too. Every springtime, there was a children's musical. And lo and behold, the Hughes household always got a call from the children's music director. The children's music director would call and say, I've got the perfect part for David. You see, he's going to speak and he's going to sing. All of these things which you know, Martha Hughes, David needs to do. And in the great spirit of all mothers, my mom did not believe in being volunteered, but she did believe in being voluntold, if you follow me. And so the consummate reply of my mother to any and all invitation from the church was the following. Well, of course, David would love to do that. In this one spring musical, I was to have a starring role in one that was titled Salty, the Singing Song Book. Now, do yourself a favor, and when you go home, 
Google that title. Salty like Salter or Psalm was a person dressed as a life-size hymn book and he took a gaggle of children amidst of which I was one through a time warp in which we visited all the great authors of the hymns starting with King David and ending with Franny Crosby. Oh, yes, I was to be the main role in Salty the Singing Songbook, but there's just one problem. I felt ridiculous, as you might imagine. I mean, literally, there was a man dressed as a life-size hymnal standing and singing beside me, but even though my mom and the church was a great place of nurture, they knew they had to hold the tension with that sense of nudge that even though there are things that we don't want to do, there are things that we should do. And for that reason, we need brothers and sisters in Christ who are always willing to give us an encouraging pat on the back and sometimes a kick in the rear end so that we can embody and become those ultimate offices of prophet, priest, and king. I know today's scripture is one that oftentimes goes with Advent. You might be thinking, Pastor, (laughs) we're a few months away still. Don't go off being like Hobby Lobby that's already decored out the wazoo and smells of cinnamon all the way back in August. Respect the calendar. It's a tradition that you don't start to celebrate Christmas until after Thanksgiving. And while I wholeheartedly agree, I don't think that this section of ancient words should be relegated just to a certain time of year. For within it, I see the perfect tension being held between two different mothers of two great figures of the faith of both nurture and nudge. Let's start with Elizabeth. She was to be the mother of one that would be named John, as in John the Baptist. Her pregnancy was improbable because of her age. And yet, true to the words of the angel visit, she became pregnant with Zechariah and was expecting one who was told to be the fulfillment of the voice in the wilderness. He who would go make a way before Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come. And then there was her cousin, one named Mary, but a young girl, perhaps 15 or 16 years of age. Her pregnancy was just as improbable because she was a virgin and had never known a man. And yet the angel of the Lord said, Mary, you to be the mother of the God most high, and you are to call him Jesus, and he is to pay a ransom for all of the people so that there might be reconciliation with the Father. And Mary, as one who shows the utmost form of obedience, says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have said. 
Due to the improbability of both of these pregnancies, these women are left to find themselves and in so many ways seek a voice of understanding and lo and behold, if there wasn't but one. And for that reason, whether by necessity to speak to one who knew or just to get out of Dodge and the visions of scorn and slander that she was receiving in the hometown she was from, Mary travels to visit Elizabeth. It goes to say that upon their first word of greeting, which I imagine to be a little less formal than told in Luke, And I think that it's something more about hiya, cuz, as they begin to talk and to greet one another. It says that John, who was in Elizabeth's womb, leapt with joy as she heard the voice of John's mother, Elizabeth. These two individuals who were to be the utmost fulfillment of prophets, priests, and kings met while but in utero, and they then and there began a pathway which would secure the greatness of the titles and the fulfillment and example for all of us to follow of prophets, priests, and kings. But they could not have reached such heights if it wasn't for the nurture and the nudge of the two holy families. I think that's where I let my imagination unfurl itself a bit. For the scripture says they spent three months together. During this time, I think that Mary and Elizabeth weren't all that different from all of you who have been expectant mothers a time or two in your life. They were people that were already practicing their baby talk. You know, it always gets pretty ridiculous when people start to talk to a baby. You've seen this, right, in the restaurants and in our church. When people try to communicate to a baby, they lose all sense of dignity, don't they? Have you ever seen someone try to get a baby's attention for a picture? I mean, come on. The links that people will go to. And the noises they will make and the facial expressions that occur are crazy. This is baby talk, but this is not baby talk that is just about nurture. You see, I think between Mary and Elizabeth, it was baby talk with an edge. Baby talk that not only expressed nurture, but also expressed nudge. Allow me to demonstrate I think Elizabeth and Mary said to their babies that they were expecting, I will always love you and God will always love you. Nurture. But I think that that was followed by the following nudge. But you will go and love others as God has loved you. Nurture. You will always have a home with me. Nudge. But the world is a big, big place that is meant for you to explore and know. One day you'll leave home to embrace the mystery and wonder of it all. Nurture. I will always protect you and I will always help you no matter the case. Nudge. 
But that doesn't mean I can or should keep you from every harm. The fact is, is that everyone who truly lives for God gets hurt while serving those that he likewise made in his image. These mothers surely felt the tension of both nurture and nudge. They had individuals that they were expecting that they were to be their only sons, their first sons, and all of their heart wanted to nurture that baby and give him the unreasonable doubt that he would forever have a home. But they also knew of a calling that was greater still, a calling that came from God above, which said these men are to be prophets, priests, and kings. And good people, it is in that that we find our challenge today. For we as a church, we as individual families, are not just to be about the production of people who are nice. We are not just to be about the production of people who make good grades or know how to play by the rules or have good manners. No, we are to be about the people who are prophets, priests, and kings like John the Baptist and Jesus. The prophets in John the Baptist who cried out, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, in their prophecies, they were always willing to speak truth no matter how inconvenient it might be. Priests, John the Baptist, baptizing those who repented of their sins and were preparing their hearts and minds for the forthcoming Messiah and even baptizing Jesus himself. Jesus, who healed the lame, made the blind to see and the mute to talk. King, John the Baptist, who administered his ministry with justice and mercy and humility until he passed the baton to the ultimate king in Jesus Christ, saying, he must decrease and I must decrease. Jesus, who then led as king by serving sacrificing and rising from the dead. You see, these are the offices of the church that God is forming us to become. And we do not get there by anything other than a healthy tension between nurture and nudge. So how do we practically prepare hearts and minds? How do we collectively be about the formation of prophets, priests, and kings who are more than just nice people who make good grades and go to Tech or the University of Georgia? How do we create and mold and meld minds so that they are world changers and game changers? I think it's in the following way, and I invite you to again write these down as they are for your practical application. I think that whether we are talking about children to parents or parents to children or friend to friend or stranger to stranger, we need to be about nurture in the following ways. Always encourage one another with scripture and prayer. You know, it's one thing to have someone say, you can do it, but it's another thing entirely to have someone say, 
You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, amen? It's another thing to have someone pray about being nice people and good people who know right and wrong, but it's something else entirely when people pray around us saying, let this youth be transformed by the Holy Spirit and let them become the ultimate expression of what God is calling them to be. Not being prayers that we just say in private, but prayers that we write out to them and speak over them audibly so that they can hear. And children and youth, you are no exception in this process. You too can reach out and encourage those around you with prayer, with scripture, nurture. Also the following, always caring for one another's hurts and wounds with Christ-like compassion. This means that you are not discriminatory to why and how the person got hurt in the first place. Yes, it could be by their own poor decisions. Yes, it could be by the fact that they repeatedly go back to their own poor decisions. But you, with the ultimate expression of nurture, say, my goal is but to care for you where you are. Nurture, always administer your relationships with justice, mercy, and humility, if only to embody the full expression of Micah 6.8 that says, you have heard this, O mortal, and what does the Lord require of you? But to seek justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Nurture, then paired with nudge, nudge. Challenge one another to take your next step in faith in Jesus Christ. Far too many of us have become complacent in where we are in our relationship with Christ. We feel like because we said a prayer, because we came forward, or because even we have been baptized, Christ is done with us. We've been there, done that, but the truth is, is that in order to understand the immeasurably more than all you can ever ask or imagine, you are working out your salvation each and every day, as Paul wrote, with great trembling, not worrying whether you've lost salvation, but wondering how much more can you live into the expression of being saved by Jesus Christ. For every time I return to the ancient words of the text, I am amazed that Jesus Christ would lay his life down for me. And in that, I am challenged to take my next step. I am called upon by family and friends to take my next step. And I'm calling upon all of us to do the same for one another looking at the lives around you and asking the questions of how they can become a greater expression still of who Jesus is calling them to be. Nudge, commissioning one another to go be the light of Christ in the darkness. This is that kind nudge that comes through a reminder that there are truly people on this earth who you and you alone are best qualified to minister to and explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to. There are people that because of your relationships and your proximity to them 
will not hear the word of God unless you say something because the only Bible that some people will ever read is that in your life. And we all need to be commissioned again and again by people who nudge us to say, have you thought about what you might be able to say or do so that they could understand that God loves them? Nudge. Perhaps the most provocative and difficult of all to create systems of healthy accountability between you and others. This means that you go to people and you say, I'm open to you speaking truth into my life. No matter if that truth affirms what I'm doing currently or tells me that what I am doing is not in keeping with God's holy character. This also allows you in humility to go and be bold and speak into one another's life. It's far more than saying, we missed you at church, but it's more like saying, I'm concerned. Can we talk? How are you? No, 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 no. How are you really? Is what you're doing in your life glorifying God or not? And between, my friends, these systems of nurture and nudge, I believe that we individually as well as corporately can work to the fulfillment of these offices in which we are all called to fulfill, that we are no longer settling for just being a Christian, that we are no longer settling for just being good people who go to church, but we are striving to be people who are going out into the world and looking for opportunity to make the kingdom of God come alive. Will you say amen if you agree? This, my friends, is how we stand on the threshold of an anniversary celebration and it becomes more than an a recognition and appreciation of our past. The offices of prophet, priest, and king produced by nurture and nudge is what pushes us forward into our future saying that truly the best is yet to come. We've benefited received greatly from generations past, but we are working towards generations' future. With nurture and nudge, we are working towards legacies that are yet to be written, that the youth and the children, as well as our own lives, will stand as a testimony to the greatness of God so that in 175 more years or until Jesus comes again, people might look at our lives and therefore look at God and say, glory, hallelujah, thank you, God, for such people of faith in First Baptist Church, Carrollton. I don't want you to take this story lightly because there's one, in fact, in our midst who is already leaning in and living beautifully, I might add, the three offices of prophet, priest, and king and true to the scripture, it is a little child who will lead. Our own Nora Jane Carden is a bit of an evangelist out there in Carrollton. 
She's a product of a home of both nurture and nudge, a product of a church that is of both nurture and nudge. And so every time she goes out to her sports teams, guess who and what she's talking about? The church she knows and loves and emphasizes the following point. You can come too. So effective have been all of her pleas to the community around her that finally one little girl talked to her mother and said, Mama, we've just got to go to that church. So the mother of that child, not knowing who Nora Jane belonged to, stood up at a family meeting before a ball game and said, Will someone please tell me if you're the parents of Nora Jane Carden? I know you've probably heard that before and you thought, oh shoot, what have they done now? But it was that mama who said, if I don't get my daughter to your church, she's going to be unhappy with me. That little girl is showing us how to live. She's showing us not only the nurture that got her to this point, but she's giving us the nudge for ourselves to go and do likewise. So if you believe in the power of Jesus Christ in your life, if you believe that the best is yet to come and that immeasurably more is at your fingertips, I'm asking you to do one thing for me and one thing in particular. I want you to commit to one exercise or action of nurture and one exercise or action of nudge to the people in your life. I outlined them previously in my sermon, but if you need a reminder, come and speak to me. I'd be glad to replay the sermon for you. But all of us dedicating to just one action of nurture and one action of nudge ourselves can create that healthy tension necessary so that prophets, priests, and kings are not relegated to ancient words, but are in fact coming to reality in our very present. As we anticipate and look towards these moments of decision, I want you to respond. I want you to feel the nudge of this response moment. The nudge should get you to move in some way, whether that's physically coming to me at the altar to say, I need to follow Jesus. I need to join this church. I need to be baptized. I need you to pray for me. Or if that nurture and nudge is stirring your hearts and minds where you are and you simply stop singing for a moment and you just connect with God because it's been far too long since you last spoke and you know that he and he alone is going to provide the salve for that wound in your soul. He's going to give you the nurture you desire while also giving you the nudge to say, now go and sin no more. Change your life. Become the fulfillment of what I'm calling you to be. This moment is but fleeting, so if you are to respond, don't delay but please take your hymnal, rise and sing with me this invitation hymn. It's located in the order of worship in your bulletin, and it is hymn number 435, Share His Love. <laughs>